all you have. You are now tuned in to Parker Swayze. So just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's going on, Star Wars family? How's everyone doing? As always, it's an amazing day in the Star Wars universe. I don't know about you, but I don't think that a day goes by that I don't think about Star Wars. It has became a part of my life. I wake up first thing in the morning, I grab my phone, and I look at Instagram or Facebook, hoping to see some kind of announcement about a new Star Wars movie, book, or TV show. Most of the time, I see one, but when I do the research, I find out it's just a hoax of some kind. But it will bring me joy for that moment. It makes my whole day go better. It is the excitement first thing in the morning. You know, getting that blood pumping and getting my brain spinning. Okay, enough of all that. Let's get to the quote for this episode. And it comes to us from Eric Hoffer. And he said, the hardest math to master is that in which enables us to count our blessings. I thought a lot about this quote. What did it mean to me and how does it relate to Star Wars? Then it came to me like a slap in the face. Star Wars has made me a better person and helps me have a better day every day. Like I said earlier, I wake up knowing that if I don't have anything else, I have Star Wars and that in itself brightens my day. So Star Wars has been one of those blessings that I can count on in my life. Now let's get to the book because this chapter has a little suspense, a little action, and a whole lot of excitement. So let's get to it. You will understand in time. Back in his private quarters, Scourge tried to push the last words of his most recent conversation with Revan from his mind, but they kept returning. It had been almost a week since he walked out on Revan, abandoning him to suffer the torments of his solitary confinement. They had been talking about visions, how the Force could speak to you if you listened, how it could show you visions of your possible future. The Jedi had implied that he had witnessed something to do with his eventual release from Nyrus's prison, but Scourge knew better than to take anything the captive said at face value. Revan was smart. Even as Scourge used him to learn about the Force, the Jedi was trying to manipulate Scourge into helping him escape. It was possible everything he'd said had been nothing but lies. It was also possible he had been telling the truth. Maybe he really had seen something that gave him hope of escape. Scourge knew he should tell Nyrus about this latest development, but so far he had kept silent on the matter. If she knew, there was a strong chance she would simply decide to execute Revan, rather than allow him any opportunity to escape. And that was the real problem. If Revan died, did any real chance of stopping the Emperor die with him? When the Jedi said Nyrus would never step forward to lead the others against the Emperor, the words rang true. Revan, on the other hand, had already proved he was both eager and willing to stop the Sith from invading the Republic. He had hinted at an alliance between them, and as ridiculous as it might have seemed at first, Scourge couldn't help but see some merit in the idea. They shared a strong commitment to a common goal. Alliances had been forged on far less. But agreeing to work with the Jedi wouldn't just mean freeing him from his cell. It would mean a betrayal of Nyrus. And Scourge wasn't ready to take on both her and the Emperor quite yet. Especially when all of this was predicated on an alleged Force vision of Revan's that might not actually have existed. The sharp knock on his door came as a relief. His mind was running in circles. It would be good to have something to distract him. When he opened the door, he was surprised to see Setchel standing on the other side. For the most part, the sycophantic Sith had avoided him for the last three years. 
partly out of fear, and partly because Nyrus had forbidden him from seeking vengeance for the brutal interrogation that had left him scarred for life. There had been occasions where they had been forced to work together on some task or mission for Nyrus, but the innate mistrust all Sith had of one another had escalated between them to the point that it actually impacted their ability to work effectively together. It hadn't taken long for Nyrus to realize their talents were put to better use independently. Why are you here? Scourge asked. I have news you will be interested in, Cetra replied, smiling in a way that made Scourge want to strangle him. Did Nyrus send you? I'm here of my own volition. What is this about? Scourge demanded. Aren't you going to invite me in? No. Sedgel shrugged. I was only trying to show some discretion, for your sake. Get to the point, Scourge said through gritted teeth. A woman came to me today. Human. She's looking for you. A human? Why? She didn't say. She didn't offer her name, and given her reluctance to discuss the matter, I didn't ask. If she found you, then she already knows where to find me, Scourge said. Satchel shook his head. We crossed paths quite by accident. She has no idea you and I know each other at all. She simply hired me to find you. Maybe you'd better come in and tell me the whole story, Scourge said, relenting and stepping aside. On second thought, I think I'll stay out here, the other Sith replied. I get the feeling you don't like the answers I'm giving you. Do you think I need to get you alone to inflict pain? Scourge asked, casually reaching out with the Force to give Setchel's windpipe a quick squeeze. Setchel gasped and threw his hands up to his throat, his eyes wide with fear. <laughs> Nyrus will have your head if you hurt me again, he blustered. That won't bring you back if you're dead, Scourge pointed out. Now stop playing games and tell me exactly what happened. This woman was referred to me by a business associate, Setchel explained. She offered me a substantial sum to track down the man in her hollow image. A hollow image? Apparently, she doesn't even know your name, but she has an excellent image of your face, and she's willing to pay a substantial sum to meet with you. And you have no idea why? I can speculate. Please do, Scourge said grimly. Think of how many lives you have ended, how many assassinations you have performed. Isn't it possible that on one of these missions, your face was captured by a security cam? Scourge was always careful on his missions, but nobody was perfect. It's possible, he admitted grudgingly. Now imagine someone who knew the victim finds the footage. Maybe a wife or a daughter. Driven by her lust for revenge, she could search the whole empire for the one who wronged her. You think she wants to kill me? Probably. Most people do. But she insisted on meeting you in person. Why are you telling me this? Scourge asked abruptly. I have a reputation to protect. She paid me to do a job. I don't want rumors to spread that I cheated a client. It's bad for business. Does Nyrus know about your so-called business? She allows me to freelance as long as it doesn't interfere with my work on her behalf. 
And in this case, it may actually benefit her. And you, he added. If this woman intends you harm, she must be dealt with appropriately. That is why I think you should meet with her. And there's always a chance she might actually succeed, isn't there? Doubtful, Satchel said. Just to be on the safe side, though, I wouldn't suggest you go to meet her alone. You want to come with me? Not in the least, Satchel assured him. This seems more like a job for Murtaugh and his crew. Scourge didn't speak right away. He ran over everything Setchel had told him, trying to determine if he was being set up. The mere fact that Setchel hadn't simply turned the woman away was enough to make Scourge wary of the meeting. If someone really was looking to do him harm, it was doubtful that Setchel would warn him simply because they both served Nyrus. But if he suspected the woman was tied to something in Scourge's past... Some dark secret or inconvenient truth. Bringing it to light was an effective way to make Scourge look bad. If she turned out to be someone looking for revenge, it would prove that Scourge had been sloppy in the past, planting seeds of doubt about him in Iris's mind. And even if she wasn't, the situation was still likely to create some kind of mess for Scourge to clean up. That alone might be enough to convince Setchel to help her. Simply refusing the meeting wasn't an option, however. Now that he knew she was out there, Scourge had to take action. Whatever the motive behind her search for him, he had to face her. It was the only way to unravel the mystery. Setchel knew all this, of course. That was why he suggested sending Murtaugh along. On the surface, it appeared the best way to deal with a possible enemy. But Scourge knew what he really wanted was to have somebody else there who would report back on the meeting if the truth turned out to be embarrassing. On the other hand... If he decided to meet her alone, he was putting himself at greater risk. It might also look like he had something to hide, and he had no doubt Setchel would twist that fact to suit his own needs somewhere down the road. Congratulations, he said to the smaller Sith. You've backed me into a corner. Set up the meeting, and tell Murtaugh and his men to be there. Of course, Lord Scourge. Setchel said with a mocking bow. I'm always happy to be of service. Okay, this chapter starts off with Scourge going back and forth over what Revan had said. How the Force had given him a vision. His future was outside of the walls of his cell. This is weighing on Scourge's mind. He knows that Revan will do all that it takes to stop the Emperor. He starts to second guess on helping Revan escape. He knows Nyrus will never do anything to stop the Emperor. He also knows that Revan will do everything he can to stop. Alliances have been made of far less. As he ponders these things in his mind, there's a knock at the door. Upon opening the door, he sees that it's Setro. He asks him, why are you here? Setro tells Scourge that a human woman is looking for him. Scourge being Scourge starts to ask who she is and what does she want. Setro says he doesn't know she was referred to him by an associate. Scourge starts to go back and forth on who she could be. He asks Setchel what he thinks of the situation. Setchel says she probably wants to kill Scourge. Most people do. Is it just me or does Setchel think he is harder than he actually is? Scourge has already cut off some of his cheek tendrils, but he's still talking stuff. I get that he doesn't like Scourge, and from what I've heard in this book, I don't like Scourge either. I don't really know what it is, but there's something about him that just isn't right. But like Scourge, tell Setchel, Nyrus can't bring you back to life if you're already dead. Then Setchel continues by telling him that he should meet with her. Find out what she wants, and if she is a threat, eliminate her. But Setchel tells him to bring Murtaugh and his team just in case. 
Scourge is like, yeah, that way you can find out what she really wants. So after Scourge runs through everything in his head, he tells Central to set up the meeting. Then he tells Central to make sure that Murtaugh and his team is there. And that's where we're at. So let's see what else happened. Mitra was wary of a trap even before she felt the warning premonitions through the force. Setchell had given her a time and location for the meeting. He'd even told her the name of the man from the Holovid, Lord Scourge. But she still didn't trust him. Arriving at the location only confirmed her suspicions. Setchell's instructions had led her to an isolated cave on the outskirts of the city. The perfect place for an ambush. A single speeder was parked in a clearing about 50 meters away from the entrance. Evidence that somebody else was already there. It was possible the Sith had come alone, but Mitra estimated the vehicle could hold as many as six adult humanoids. There was also the possibility that other speeders had been hidden nearby, meaning she had no idea how many might be waiting for her inside the cave. T3M4 obviously shared her concerns. The droid twittered nervously as she brought the speeder in for a landing on a patch of bare dirt near the other speeder. I know, I know, she muttered, but this is the only lead we've got. She climbed out of the speeder and extended a small cargo ramp so T3 could exit as well. The mouth of the cave loomed before them, black and forbidding. Earlier, she had discussed several dozen strategies with T3, laying out contingency plans for the most common conceivable scenarios. Fortunately, their planning had included a potential ambush by enemies hiding under the cover of darkness. Operation Supernova is a go, she whispered. T3 beeped uncertainly. We'll give them every chance to surrender, she assured him. But be ready for this to get ugly. Hopefully it won't come to that, she added. Maybe Lord Scourge is curious enough about why I'm here to hear me out before he tries anything. T3 didn't reply. She took it as a bad sign that he was suddenly speechless. Walking slowly, she entered the cave. It was too dark to see more than a meter in front of her, but she could sense several other beings inside, watching her approach. She assumed they were using night vision goggles. It was the only way for anyone's sight to pierce the darkness of the cave. She tried to act timid and unsure, a clueless victim walking heedlessly into the waiting trap. The more vulnerable she appeared, the closer they'd let her advance before taking any action. Stay close, T3, she whispered, keeping her voice low so only he could hear her. Is anybody here? She called out, making her voice tremble slightly. She took another seemingly cautious step forward. Hello? Is anyone here? Don't move, a voice shouted from the darkness. We have you surrounded. Lord Scourge, she called out. Is that you? I only want to talk. Lie flat on the ground and put your hands behind your head, the voice ordered. If not, we open fire. Now, T3. The little droid turned his headlamp to full power. In the tight confines, it had the intensity of a small sun, easily illuminating the entire cave. The sudden flash of brightness also overloaded the night vision goggles of her adversaries, temporarily blinding them. It took Mitra less than a second to see and process the odds she was up against. Four soldiers, two male and two female, each wearing heavy armor and carrying a blaster carbine, had taken up positions around the cave, forming a loose semicircle around their intended victim. 
A tall Sith stood in an alcove near the back corner of the cave. The four soldiers opened fire. Even blinded by the flash of T3's lamp, they were disciplined enough to react by unleashing a volley of blaster bolts at the last known location of their target. Unfortunately for them, Mitra's reactions were quicker than theirs. By the time the bolts hit home, Mitra was already on the move. She snapped off a quick back handspring to dodge the blaster fire, then reversed her direction with a flying leap toward the nearest assailant. Her lightsaber was already in her hand when she landed, and she plunged her blade through the vulnerable joint between the chest plate and the right shoulder guard of the soldier's combat suit. Unlike his cortosis-laced armor, the man's flesh and bone provided almost no resistance to the lightsaber as it drove straight through his heart. As he fell to the ground, Mitra thrust her free hand out toward the next closest soldier, palm open. The woman flew backward, lifted off her feet, and hurtled across the cave by the force until she slammed into the rock face of the far wall. She slid to the ground, dead. The other two soldiers had ripped off their night vision goggles and opened fire again. Mitra deflected the bolts with her lightsaber. With their attention focused on the Jedi wreaking havoc in their ranks, the soldiers forgot about T3M4. The droid took full advantage of the situation, rolling forward until he was close enough to unleash a jet of flame from the short nozzle jutting out from the center of his torso. The flames engulfed the nearest soldier. As his dying shrieks momentarily distracted his companion, Mitra charged forward with a burst of speed to deliver a vicious two-handed slash of her blade that cleaved through the plates of the woman's armor and bit deep into her chest. At last, Mitra turned to face the Sith. Now that she had a chance to focus her attention more closely, she recognized him from T3's hollow bit. Apparently, Lord Scourge had decided to show up after all. Curiously, he hadn't done anything to help the soldiers during the short and violent encounter. He hadn't tried to flee, either. In fact, he hadn't seemed to have moved at all, other than to draw and ignite the crimson blade of his lightsaber. He held his weapon in front of him in a standard defensive posture, staring at Mitra with a look of utter disbelief on his face. Weary of a trap, Mitra took a single step toward him. You're a Jedi, he said, his words causing her to freeze in her tracks. What he said was true. He saw you. He knew. Mitra wasn't about to attack someone who didn't seem to want to do her any harm. That went against everything she believed in. But she wasn't going to let her guard down either. What are you talking about? She demanded. You're here because of Revan, he said, his voice filled with wonder. You've come to rescue him. I'm impressed you figured it out so quickly, she admitted. I didn't figure it out, he said. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. Instant the blue-bladed lightsaber had materialized in the human female's hand, Scourge realized she was a Jedi. And he could only think of one reason a Jedi would come to Droman Kos in search of him. She was here to rescue Revan. He was impressed with how easily she had dismantled Murtaugh and his hand-picked team. 
he could feel her channeling the force. Yet it was somehow different from what he had felt when he battled other Sith. She wasn't afraid to kill, but he sensed she took no real pleasure in it. Instead of feeding off her anger and hate, it was as if she kept her emotions at arm's length, so the force could flow through her unhindered. Part of him wanted to leap into the fray. Battling this Jedi would be a true test of his skills. He didn't know which of them would prove the stronger, but he was intrigued by the challenge. Yet another part of him knew she represented something far more significant than a worthy foe. What do you mean, Revan told you? She demanded. When I last spoke with him, he said something I didn't believe. I thought he was lying to manipulate me. I didn't understand what he was trying to tell me. Actually, Scourge still wasn't sure he understood. Not fully. The female Jedi's presence was proof that Revan was telling the truth about his Force vision. He had hinted to Scourge that his freedom was close at hand. He must have had a premonition of her arrival. The revelation was what had stayed Scourge's blade. He wasn't willing to do battle with her until he had carefully considered all the implications and alternatives. If you spoke to Revan, then you know where he is, the woman said. She was still poised in a combat-ready stance, as was Scourge, neither willing to make the first move, but each ready to respond to an attack by the other. Riven is a prisoner, Scourge told her. Then I order you to set him free, she demanded. It's not that simple. Nothing about this situation was simple. As he spoke to the Jedi, Scourge was still trying to understand why Revan had mentioned his vision to him at all. At the time, he thought the prisoner was simply trying to manipulate him, to trick him into helping him escape. Now, however, it seemed as if Revan's words had been a warning, almost as if he knew Scourge would find himself in this situation. It made no sense to give any kind of warning to an enemy. However, if Revan believed that he and Scourge were destined to become allies, then his words did make sense. Was it possible he had seen a vision of Scourge working with him? It seemed to be the only answer that fit. He had sometimes sensed that Revan was trying to recruit him to his side. The feeling had been even stronger in their last conversation. He dismissed it as desperation to escape. But what if Revan knew the events he had foreseen were drawing near? What if he had witnessed this confrontation in the cave, and he had been trying to make Scourge understand that they had to become allies to stop the Emperor? Tell me where Revan is, the woman said. Tell me where he's being held, and I will let you walk away. He realized his adversary was misinterpreting his reluctance to fight as fear. She was as confused about this as he was. Yet the more Scourge thought about it, the clearer it became. Nyrus would never move against the Emperor. He knew that now. He had come to accept that neither she nor any of the other Dark Council members who had plotted with her would ever actually dare to strike. If anyone was going to stop the Emperor from his mad invasion of the Republic, it would have to be Scourge. But he couldn't do it alone. Come with me, and I will take you and your droid to see Revan, he said, deactivating his blade. He will tell you the truth. The Jedi wasn't so quick to lower her weapon. Her astromech droid rolled up to stand beside her, squawking loudly. T3's right. I've already walked into one trap today. The Jedi answered. I think I've hit my quota. Scourge understood her reluctance. Under normal circumstances, she would be a fool to accompany him. But this situation was as far from normal as he could imagine. 
Revan told me you were coming, he tried to explain. I think the Force gave him a vision of us working together. Then why did you set the ambush? I didn't know who you were, Scourge pointed out. You wouldn't tell Setchel any of the details who you were or why you were looking for me. You're lying, she said with a disbelieving shake of her head. You're afraid to face me. You'll say anything to avoid a fight. Do I seem afraid to you? No, she admitted. You seem strangely calm. That is because I finally understand what Revan meant. He wants us to unite against a common foe. What common foe? Our Emperor is planning an invasion of the Republic. Revan wants to stop him. So do I. Why would you want to stop an invasion of the Republic? The Emperor is mad. He wants to repeat the mistakes of the Great Hyperspace War. He wants to plunge us into a conflict that will end with our extinction. The Jedi lowered her lightsaber, but didn't deactivate it. Then why did you take Revan prisoner on Nathema? That was before I knew his purpose here. He could tell she was still suspicious, and rightfully so. But he thought of something that might convince her. You spoke of Nathema. Have you been to that world? Have you walked upon its surface? I have, she said quietly, and he could tell from the haunted expression on her face that she spoke the truth. That was the Emperor's homeworld. To give himself greater power, he unleashed a ritual that devoured everything. When I saw what happened there, I understood the true depths of his insanity. I realized his mind was so twisted and disturbed that he was not fit to rule, and I swore to find a way to stop him. He paused and looked steadily at Mitra. You walk the path of the light. I have chosen to follow the dark side. But we both know the horrors of Nathema are a blight upon the galaxy. Revan knows this as well. That is why he wants us to work together. The Jedi considered his words carefully, then deactivated her blade. But Scourge could tell she still wasn't wholly convinced. Before I go anywhere with you, I'm going to need more to go on than just your word, she said. Scourge nodded. Her caution was a good thing. If she'd believed him too easily, he would have had to question her judgment. I can bring you proof, he told her. Wait here, and I will return tomorrow. How do I know you won't just come back with more reinforcements? You will sense me through the Force before I actually arrive. If I'm not alone, you will have plenty of time to make your escape. What about Revan? The Jedi asked. He is safe for the moment, Scourge assured her. But I cannot free him without help. You have until tomorrow, the Jedi told him. Return with proof, and we can work together to free Revan. Scourge tucked the hilt of his lightsaber back into his belt, and walked slowly past the Jedi and her droid toward the entrance of the cave. They stepped aside at his approach, keeping a safe distance between them. Just before he left the cave, the Jedi called out a final warning. If you betray me in any way, if you come back with reinforcements, or even if you don't come back at all, I will hunt you down. Save your anger for the Emperor, Scourge called back over his shoulder. He is the real enemy. 
This part starts off with Mitra going to meet Skirt. As she approached the meeting site, she realizes that the speeder that was parked in front of the cave could probably hold about six passengers. She starts to believe that this might be a trap. Well, yeah, you're dealing with a Sith. Have you ever heard of the Sith being honest and compassionate people? I sometimes think that the Jedi were just naive. So she goes into the cave. She can sense the others. You know, Murtaugh and his team is still in there. She plays like she is weak and helpless. This way they won't shoot her. Her and T3 have already produced a plan. She guessed that the others would be wearing night vision goggles. T3 would turn on a bright light. This would temporarily blind the others so she could wipe them out. Okay, I have a problem with this plan. Mitra has been on Droman Cos for about a week. Now you're going to tell me that she set up a plan based on the fact that they might be wearing night vision goggles? She doesn't know enough about the people to know if they even have that kind of technology. Maybe they're using infrared or something else. But she lucks out and they are using night vision. So she and T3 take out Murtaugh and his entire team. Scourge is just standing there in amazement. He still can't believe Demetra is a Jedi and Revan knew she was coming. As she approaches him, he starts rambling about Revan being right. She is like, what are you talking about? Scourge tells her of the conversation he had with Revan. Mitra was like, well, if you talk to Revan, then you know where he is. Scourge is like, he is a prisoner. I will take you to him. Mitra is like, do I look crazy or something? I'm not going anywhere with you. So you can just try to set me up again? Scourge is like, I didn't know who you were. You were just some lady that was looking for him. I didn't know that you were a Jedi. I didn't know you were the person that Revan was talking about. I agree with Mitra. I wouldn't go anywhere with Scourge. Scourge tries to explain the situation. He tells her that Revan had a vision of them working together and how Revan and Scourge both want to stop the Emperor. Mitra is like, whatever. He tells her to wait there and he will be back with proof. Then Mitra warns him if he tries any funny stuff, she will hunt him down. And that's where we're at. You will have to tune in to episode 22 to find out what happens next. Hope to see you then. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening and may the force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.